Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 63, verses 7 through 9. I will recount the gracious deeds of the Lord, the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, because of all that the Lord has done for us, and the great favor to the house of Israel, that he has shown them according to his mercy, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not deal falsely. And he became their savior in all of their distress. It was no messenger or angel, but his presence that saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all of the days of old. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Christmas time can be a different experience from family to family and from person to person. Some travel, some stay at home, some eat ham, some eat fruitcake, or more often re-gift it. Some are surrounded by their loved ones. Some feel an empty void where a loved one once sat. Each Christmas brings, brings its own unique story. Over the last few weeks, we've been following one particular story, the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, who is the protagonist of Charles Dickens' 1843 novella, A Christmas Carol. We followed along as the ghost of Christmas past invites the old miserly man to revisit the forgotten memories of a painful childhood and a short-lived engagement to be married. In this visit to the past, Scrooge remembers the lonely, empty feelings of abandonment after his unaffectionate father sends him off to a boarding school to live there, even during the holidays when the rest of the other students had gone home to be with their family. Scrooge remembers the romance with his fiancée, Belle, in a moment in life when he is actually happy. However, it does not last, and the engagement to Belle soon unravels and takes a back seat to his ever-growing pursuit of wealth. We've also seen the story continue with the ghost of Christmas present, who acts as a tour guide for Scrooge around the Christmas celebrations of London, where he delights in the joy and community of the season, where he learns of Tiny Tim's declining health and a family that struggles to make ends meet, yet somehow manages to keep their values and attitudes in order, and where he comes face to face with the loathsome, wretched creatures called ignorance and want, who act almost like a mirror for Scrooge in his pitiful state. Today, however, we embark on the final leg of Scrooge's otherworldly experience. The ghost of Christmas future compels Scrooge to confront what will become of him if nothing changes, if he continues to distance himself from his nephew, employees, and fellow townspeople, if he continues to value the safety and security of his fortune over the needs of people like Bob Cratchit and son Tim, if he continues to pretend that he is perfectly fine on his own without need of companionship with others, unaffected by the mutuality and interdependence of real human community. I will admit that for most of my life, I've actually disliked A Christmas Carol, Uh, It felt like a sad rain cloud hovering over my favorite time of the year. (laughs) Its depressing story of a grumpy old man seemed to cast a dark shadow over a holiday that, to my mind, is filled with singing and eating and gathering together, and above all, rejoicing in the coming of the long-promised, long-awaited Christ child. Is this really how we want to spend our precious moments of Christmas by reading a buzzkill story about a person that I don't relate to and don't admire? No thanks. I'll take a hard pass on that. 
If I'm feeling melancholic during Christmas, I'll just listen to Wham's Last Christmas or Elvis' Blue Christmas. At least they have a catchy tune. I would venture to guess that there are others like me uh, who have written off the story of A Christmas Carol because of its largely gloomy tone. But there is only one problem with this perspective for me, and it ignores the most important part of the story, which is the ending. The closing chapter of the story is the payoff that makes it all worth it. And it's a bit of a journey to get there, but it's worth it. It offers up a message of hope, love, and grace. It makes the radical claim that no one is ever too far gone. And I add, from the person that God made them to be. A couple years back, I read a story on NPR about an R&B and blues musician who, over the course of a a few decades, had developed a reputation for making waves among white supremacists for his unorthodox approach to making friends. His name is Daryl Davis, and he's a black musician who is known for befriending members of the Ku Klux Klan. He claims to have had a part in 200 members giving up their robes. He tells the story of the first time he made friends with such a person. It was 1983. He was performing in a small venue called the Silver Dollar Lounge that was in the basement of a truck stop model, truck stop motel. Uh, a white man in his mid-40s told Davis after his first set, You know, this is the first time I ever heard a black man play piano like Jerry Lee Lewis. When the man was asked by Davis how Jerry Lee Lewis might have learned to play that kind of style, the man didn't have an answer. Davis told him he learned it from the same place I did, black, blues, and boogie-woogie piano players. The man did not believe Davis at first. Then he said, you know, this is the first time I ever sat down and had a drink with a black man. Davis asked why, and the man told him that he was a member of the KKK. Against all odds, it would seem, the two continued their dialogues through their mutual interest in music and eventually became friends. This became the first of many conversations that Darrell would have, sometimes even leading to a major shift in heart and thought in the people that he conversed with. This is not to say that it's easy to change a mind or that it's as simple as offering as one's friendship or that it's always safe and without risk. It's not to say that. But what it is to say is that there's something strange yet powerful in believing that people can change. We must have the patience to get through the entire story, whether that be the entire story of a Christmas carol or holding on for the entire story of someone's life. Scrooge's story does not end with him weeping over his own grave, a place to which he is brought by the wordless, ominous, shrouded ghost of Christmas future. There's more to the story, if you read on. In his book, The Redemption of Scrooge, the author Matt Roll makes the point that for some reason, the Scrooge that we can't seem to forget is the Scrooge who lacks compassion, who lacks empathy, who wants nothing to do with anyone else except their money. 
And you've probably heard someone say, don't be such a Scrooge to a person being grouchy or mean-spirited. Maybe you've, maybe you've even been the one that's to say that. But the Scrooge that Dickens presents in the end is a man who's been set free from his old way of thinking and who has begun to live quite differently. He makes a generous donation to the charity collectors who he had turned away the day before. He decides, after all, to join his nephew Fred for the dinner invitation that had been previously offered. He anonymously sends an enormous turkey that had been pre uh, to the home of Bob Cratchit and raises Bob's work salary. In one of the final lines of A Christmas Carol, Dickens writes about Scrooge. It was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well if any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that be truly said of us and all of us. That's a strange line considering what we come to know of Scrooge at the beginning of the story. But it's also pretty amazing. And maybe we should be saying to each other, were you feeling generous and open-hearted this Christmas? Do you have, did you have opportunities to be a Scrooge this year? Many assume that A Christmas Carol is a cautionary tale about the corrupting power of greed and love of money. Although Ebenezer Scrooge does have an unhealthy relationship to his money at the beginning of the story, that's not the primary message of Dickens' story. And even though there's a lot of talk about death, it's not about our fragile mortality. On the contrary, A Christmas Carol is about life and life to the fullest. The thrust of the story is that we begin to truly live when we open our hearts to the joy of serving others and aligning ourselves with the needs of the community. Today's scripture passage from Isaiah proclaims that God, has not given us, that God has not given up on us. God's mercy is ready for us when we need it. And if God has not given up on us, surely we can't give up on others. Or, uh, or ourselves, for that matter. Isaiah says that he has shown them that he has shown them according to his mercy, according to the abundance of a steadfast love. That in his love and in his pity he redeemed them; he lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. In some ways, this is a personal story for Charles Dickens. When he was only 12 years old, his father was thrown into debtor's prison, and the young Dickens had to drop out of school to go to work in a, uh, a boot blacking factory where he worked 8 to 10 hours a day. He understood the heavier consequences that the Industrial Revolution had on the vulnerable members of society in Victorian England. As a result, he became an advocate for the poor the disadvantaged, and the overworked. For your consideration, perhaps the kind of transformation that God desires is not only personal in nature, but also social and economic. After all, the newborn babe of Bethlehem did not come for one or two. Jesus came for all, to bring peace on earth and goodwill to all. I believe that the Christmas carol is not just a call to reflection and action for each of us as individuals, but also as a church. In 2020, our church will be 
continuing the celebration of our 50th anniversary by asking what lies ahead. What grand vision does God have, God have to accomplish through us going forward? For me, the most intriguing part of Dickens' book is the unknown, un- unwritten next chapter. Does Scrooge's part of Dickens, sorry, does Scrooge's incredible transformation last? Does he continue to live into the commitment to himself and to others? I sure hope so. And I'm praying the same for us in 2020. Amen? Amen.